situation is the talk of the top. Not unlike a beautiful New Yorker. It will not go away until Lev Bell arrives. And who knows when that's going to be. A big thank you goes out to my man James Harrison for reigniting this particular pipe bomb. And now we wait till Monday. Or beyond. People say that if Bell misses games, that'll chase teams away in free agency. Contraire, Pierre. Teams don't care about Bell screwing the Steelers, but they might be more likely to invest bigly in an asset that goes into 219 fresher than if Bell had another 400 touches. Maybe Bell shows up for the last six games, gets hurt in the first one he plays, and then nurses an injury, unquote, the rest of the year. The Kawhi Leonard scam. That wouldn't chase suitors away. Harrison screwed the Steelers, and New England couldn't wait to get him. Bell already has lots of red flags. Two drug suspensions. He's an ass on social media and in his raps. He missed the walkthrough before the Jacksonville playoff game. And then there's that strip club video with the worst-looking ass ever. We ain't forgotten about that, Lev. Wish I could. Just can't. But none of that is going to keep teams from giving Bell big cash in free agency. Even injuries won. Look at OBJ. He played just four games last year. He had ankle surgery, but he still got 65 mil guaranteed from the New York football giants. So, even if Lev Bell mismanages this situation by your standards, it won't cost him. It might cost the Steelers. It won't cost Le'Veon Bell. Sick again, brought to you by 84 Lumber, showing you the right way to build since 1956. Uh, Oh, here's the results of my poll from yesterday. 59% of yins say the Steelers will win 10 or 11 games. 28% say 12 wins or more. 11% say 8 to 9 wins. 4% say 7 wins or less. I will make my official prediction one week from tomorrow. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Oh, they had the Champions League draw today. You don't care, so I'm going to talk about it anyway. Uh, Liverpool made the final last year, of course, before losing to Real Madrid. In the group stage, Liverpool are in with uh, French champions Paris Saint-Germain. Italian winners up, Napoli, and from Serbia, I think. I don't know how they they, they re-divide those countries like every couple minutes. Dejan would know. Where's he when you need him? Red Star Belgrade. That's a tough draw, but not overwhelmingly so. And you finish top two, you go to the knockout. And I think Liverpool can do that. Uh, let's go to six in Butler. Six. You're on the Super Genius. Mark, love you, man. Hey, I do not understand why Pitt 
media and fans just remain fixated on this whole Penn State thing, looking eight years into the future about a scheduling issue that nobody even knows what the right thing to do is to, to be competitive for the football championship. I know this, that the next six years, Penn State has Auburn, Virginia Tech, and West Virginia in those slots. They're all in programs that are 30, for the last 30 years better than Pitt. And so this narrative about that Penn State's trying to dodge a decent Pitt team that's going to put a loss on them, it's just insane. They need to work about their own problems. And mark my words, they're going to be asking for Narduzzi's head the year after this when he's failed again miserably and they've signed him to that seven-year extension. Well, how do you feel Pitt's going to do this year? I think they'll be lucky to be 500. What say you? I agree. I think, you know, they have hope in Pickett, to be fair, but there's nothing behind him. If that kid gets hurt... Well, yeah, I think, Pickett, I think Pickett's pretty good. I don't think it's possible for him to be as good as his hype. I mean, he started one game, they're talking about him like he's Dan Marino. Even Catuso joked about that during the interview. Did you hear that? I mean, it's just too much. Like, like they're Pitt, Pitt doesn't understand, and Narduzzi doesn't understand that they're a college team in a pro sports town. And the interest is going to be limited, period. And they also don't understand that Penn State doesn't care about them. And they can whine as much as they want, and they can throw rocks as much as they want, and they can bring up the Sandusky scandal as they do in juvenile fashion every time Penn State doesn't want to play Pitt. But Penn State doesn't care about Pitt. Pitt needs to, needs to lower its sights and find a less attractive girlfriend. Thank you, brother. Thank you. You know, I appreciate this, but don't call the show. We've turned away a lot of calls. People telling me a remedy for, for my illness. How would you know a remedy when uh, we don't know what's wrong with me? Now, uh, Chris Robinson called, and he, he said, Can I have some remedy? That was the theme song for the poker show on ESPN. Remember that? Bound down down. What was that show called? That was a really good show. Michael Madsen. We had Michael Madsen on the program to talk about the show, and he was impressed with what a big fan I was of him. And how could you not be? The guy plays a psychopath in every film he's in just about. Well, he paid the Earp Brother. Which movie was he in Earp Brother? The Kevin Costner Wyatt Earp. He was an Earp Brother in that movie. Let's go to uh, George in the car. George, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. I just wanted to comment on the Fifth Penn State thing. Look, I'm an old-timer. I got no dog in this fight. I graduated from Duquesne many, many years ago. As did I. Uh, okay, well, I was there long before you, trust me. But nevertheless, my point is, I, I just can't believe Pitt keeps pushing this thing. You know what? They're in the ACC. Focus on the ACC. Penn State focuses on the Big Ten. That's where they got to be. You got to win your conference if you want to go places. And to be hung up on playing Penn State to me, it doesn't make any sense. I don't think it ever did. You know. No, no. I, I just think it's such old news. But Pitt yes, fans love the wine. Pitt fans are a bunch of whiny babies. Well, they've been grinding it and grinding it forever. You know, it was always it was uh, Paterno's fault. Everybody knows, yeah, he won his own conference. Okay, it didn't work. Yeah, poop, poop. Get over it. 
Well, you're in the you, ACC. You know, you know where get Pitt, out there and try and win. You know where Pitt would have a more legitimate complaint if they were if they were like winning at least their division in the ACC, and then they could yeah. say Penn State's afraid to play us. Yeah, the, well, the, the honest truth is, Penn State isn't afraid to play Pitt. Penn State thinks that playing Pitt is beneath them, and there's a good reason for that. Because for Penn State, playing Pitt is beneath them. Let's talk to uh, R.J. and Glenshaw. R.J., you're on with Double M. Hey, good day, Mark. What up? Hey, uh, you actually just alluded to what I was calling and talking about. For, for Penn State, the risk versus reward for playing Pitt is very minimal. You get the same risk versus reward playing in Temple. If you beat Pitt, so what? You're supposed to. But if you lose to a Pitt team who's going to be geared up to play you, it, it kept them out of the playoff one year. There's bra, no reason bra, to play Pitt. They don't even think that way. You're reading way too much. You know what Penn State thinks? Ah, we don't want to play Pitt. They don't think about rivalry and psyched up and lose a game you shouldn't. They just don't see Pitt as any big deal. They see Pitt and Temple in the same light. And and recently, I think that they have been. Pitt hasn't been a contender for a long time. Oh, Pitt stinks. They're terrible. I agree. Well, they're, no, they're not terrible. It's just it, it's like Narduzzi's average record is 7-6, and six. okay? So he hasn't exactly gone back to the days of Johnny Majors and Jackie Sherrill now, has he? But their 7-6 and six is an exhausting 7-6. and six. Look, look at last year. They lost three games to non-bowl teams. How do you claim to be a good program if you lose three games to non-bowl teams? And, like, Pitt doesn't complain about that. Pitt would rather complain about Penn State not playing them. Pitt doesn't complain about Narduzzi. Pitt complains that James Franklin's scared. You know why? Because for Pitt, crying about fiction is a lot more comforting than looking at cold, hard facts. Let's go to Mark and Irwin. Mark, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark. uh, I usually agree with you, but not today on Pitt and Penn State. First, I don't agree. I, I think it's as much a rivalry for Penn State as it is for Pitt among the fans. You, you could not possibly be more wrong. Okay. And then as far as comparing the teams this particular year, um, and I know Penn State's a 13-and-a-half-point 13, 13 favorite in that game, but I don't see how. Oh, um, I, I do. I see how. Because Penn State's ranked ninth and 10th in the country, and Pitt is a punching bag for a good team. I, I, I would... I would say, if I wouldn't bet this because I'd bet the line, but I'll say Pitt by at least 14. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bet two grand against your grand at even money that Penn State wins. Well, I wouldn't bet on that. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Of course, of course you wouldn't. Why, no, why be, because you're a dope. Because, because you're a typical Pitt fan. You beat your chest and say, we're good, we're going to win, but I don't bet. Well, you're talking you're a typical now. Pitt fan, all mouth, no money. It's typical Pitt. You're half. whining like a baby and you're all mouth, no money. Oh, no, no, I just I just told you no lie. <laughs> I just said even get you, you think Pitt's going to win. You Why just said Pitt's going to win by four. Oh, goodbye. You're wasting my time being a typical Pitt a-hole. Goodbye. Baby, baby, why can't you sit still? Who killed that bird out on your windowsill? You know, it doesn't sound the same without the without the barrel house piano behind it. That's a tough one to acapella. 
412-333-9939. We got Tanya. That's a sexy name. Tanya, Dave, and Matt on hold. We'll get to them in a minute. Joe Manganello and his wife, Sophia Vergara, have been seen around town. Uh, Joe, you could call. Don't be a stranger. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He erupts. He clears his throat. Says something meaningless. Dude went in a fight. Lemmy or God? I think it's a trick question. Lemmy is God. The X at 105.9. At the bottom of the hour, my guess is going to be Jeremy Fowler. He covers the Steelers for ESPN.com. Maybe he'll be able to shed some insight on when Le'Veon Bell's going to show up. If you'll recall, uh, it was, I, I don't know, maybe a week ago where Jeremy said that Steelers players had told him off the record that Bell was going to be there Monday, Labor Day. But Fowler tweeted today that he has since learned there is no definite timetable for Bell's return. And I would assume he got that from somebody close to Bell. And I don't think Harrison would have said that he can see Bell not showing up for week one. If Harrison didn't think there was at least a chance that was going to happen. I tell you what, if Bell isn't there for game one, it will be manna dripping down from talk show heaven. It will be what's best for business times 10. Sweet sassy molassy. I know what I'm rooting for. Let's go to Travis in Latrobe. Travis, you're on with Double M. For business time. Okay, turn your radio down, off, drive into a wall, whatever. Oh, my God, I'm watching The Office on my studio TV. Right now, I swear to God, uh, Steve Carroll and... Uh, Rain Wilson, their character just got an autograph from Jerome Bettis. Everything is yinzerific. You can't go in any direction without being yinzerific. Let's go to Matt in Murraysville. Matt, you're on with the super genius. Hey, Mark. As a Penn State alum that married a Pitt grad, we go up for games. People up in State College don't care about Pitt. They look at Pitt as Indiana, Maryland, you know, a pushover team. They're focused I, I don't on think Pe- I don't think Penn State, yeah, we've heard this story too many times. I don't think Penn State people even talk about Pitt. I don't think they no, consider we- Pitt like, like Indiana or whoever. I just think they think Pitt is just some schmucky school, some schmucky team, and they're not on the radar. We focus on Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan. You're determined State, to say that, aren't you? No, ma- no matter how many times yeah. I say we've heard that enough times, you're going to say it. Say it again. Say it a third time. Who do you focus on? Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. And who? Ohio State. Thank you for your call. Now, now one thing I'll say. Pitt fans are whiny babies. Penn State fans are self-important douchebags. Let's go to Dave on the Parkway. Dave, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Great. Hey, uh, real quick. I uh, wanted to talk about Penn State. Uh, I understand why uh, the University of Pittsburgh is pushing it. It's because uh, it's one of the few games that they can actually sell out at Hotsfield. Oh, no I question. Mean, when Penn State comes, it's at least 60-40, if not maybe 70-30 Penn State. I, I, don't, know, I don't know about that, but... But when Penn State's on the home schedule, 
Pitt sells season tickets because people buy season tickets just to get the Penn State game. Oh, absolutely. This year, actually, uh, Pitt uh, didn't include Penn State in the season ticket schedule because the first time they came a couple years ago, that's all Penn State fans did, buy up the season tickets. So, I mean, no, I think if you got Pitt season tickets, you got the Penn State game. You couldn't sell Pitt season tickets if you didn't include the Penn State game. I think there was, I'm sorry, I think you're right. I think there was a lesser package without the uh, Penn State game. Yeah, I believe that. But, but if, if, why would you buy Pitt season tickets if you didn't get the Penn State game? Oh, so you can be uh, three rows off at Heinz Field because only about 10,000 people show up to the game. No, a few more than that, but, but not many more. Penn State does not consider Pitt a rival. And no matter how much Pitt considers Penn State a rival, that can't force Penn State to feel any different. You know what Pitt should have done if Pitt wanted to keep this rivalry going? Pitt should have gone longer term and given Penn State two home games for every one at Pitt. And that was suggested on the B team, and the B teamers were saying, and don't forget they're Pitt's affiliates, so I don't blame them, no ACC school should ever do that. First off, Pitt's barely an ACC school. Pitt's barely a football school. And if, if you want to say they should never do that, that's fine. But then Penn State will play Pitt at their leisure. When and if, and mostly they won't, feel like it. Let's go to Tanya in Robinson. Tanya, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, yes, I'm kind of regarding this Pitt thing and Temple thing. What do you think about this... Uh... I think he's a running back, Delvon Randall. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, because you were talking about Temple and Pitt and Penn State. Yeah. So I Goodbye. How can you call up to ask about a player and then not be sure who his name is? Up next, from ESPN, going to talk Steelers with Jeremy Fowler. I got a feeling Jeremy knows more about when Bell is or isn't coming than he's letting on. We'll pry the truth out of him. We'll put him underneath that bare light bulb and turn the screw. 1059X. Or comp. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark? Yes? I have a crush on you. What a gutless bitch the Hebrew hammer is. Sweet Jesus What a bubblehead. The X at 1059. It's time to get way inside with the Steelers. Joining me now, he covers the team for ESPN.com. It's a pleasure to welcome Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy, what's the latest on Lev Bell? Because of what James Harrison said on Fox, people are wondering now when Bell is going to report. Yeah, you know, I've been asking around that, Mark, and, and uh, from what I'm told, he, he really is, has still been thinking about it, hasn't come to a final determination. Now, the logical start date is Monday. Um, he's committed to playing the year. Everything lines up to Monday, but he has not made any sort of declaration to the team on that. He says he hasn't been telling people, and I know even some people close to him he hasn't told. So um, I think that this is maybe a case of, of him wanting to play this out to his full leverage and, and let this marinate until early in the week. I, I would be shocked though if he's not ready to go for Cleveland week. I would be too, Jeremy, but he's been getting some bad advice on various matters almost since his career began in Pittsburgh. And the fact that Harrison speculated that he wouldn't be there for week one makes me wonder if Harrison doesn't know something. Now, if Bell would miss games, what are the pros and cons, and how would that affect his marketability when he does hit free agency? 
Yeah, that would be a fascinating experiment because of his position. You'd be passing up nearly $900,000 a week. Oh, I know. So you have to have some serious conviction to do that. Now, he, he is a guy that has grandiose ideas and believes in 3,000-yard seasons and, and doing you know things that others don't do it that way. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a case of him getting advice, but also I think he just, he believes in himself that much that I, I wouldn't be shocked if he were to take that route. But since he's already publicly committed to the season, his agents publicly committed to him playing a full year, the Steelers have expected that from the beginning. I just, it, it would be surprising, but you know, really the, the biggest pro for him would be the health, right? If he comes in and plays 16 games, the Steelers are going to say, pretty much we're going to give you the ball 400 times. We're going to run this guy into the ground, going into free agency. Good luck, right? So if he really feels that strongly about saving himself, thinking if I, okay, if I skip $9 million here by missing 10 games, showing up to get an accrued season, then I'm going to make that back and more on my next deal. But that's hardly a guarantee for his position. Oh, no, definitely not a guarantee. But, but it does make me wonder, because I think one of the dumbest things Mike Tomlin ever did, Jeremy, was when Willie Parker was the running back and he talked out loud to the media about running him till the wheels fall off. If I'm Lev Bell, I can expect no quarter in terms of workload. I can expect the coach to not look out for me, and maybe that's what this is born of. Yeah, but that's possible. I do know that that Tomlin is one of Bell's biggest supporters in the building. He's the guy that fights for Bell. And, you know, I mean, it's not like Kevin Colbert doesn't value him as well, but, you know, as an organization, they have to see this in terms of worth and setting a precedent. They weren't going to give him $16 million a year, especially not guaranteed. Uh, for that position when it's already a little out of whack. Now, Todd Gurley came in and changed that dynamic a little bit, but, you know, they had their limits. But Tomlin's always been a Bell guy from the beginning. I think he would manage him for the most part. You know, I don't I don't think it would be a, uh, you know, a, a resentful thing, you know, where, where you're trying to run him into the ground so you lose his value. Now he's 26. He'll only be 27 next year. He doesn't rely on full speed. He's not a speed guy, but that can go both directions, right? If you're already a 4-6 guy and you lose a step, and, you know, all of a sudden if you're a 4-8 guy, that's really going to hurt you. But, you know, he thinks he can preserve himself and that he's figured out a way to preserve his health and take hits a certain way and, and still be productive. So we'll see. One reason I would advise him to show up for week one, Jeremy, is if he misses games, he's going to have a miserable year. I think some of the players will lose faith in him, and some of the fans already have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you saw that with the fans. I mean, it's been, there's been some serious vitriol from, I would say, February on. It's like, okay, we're going through this again. And, you know, from a business standpoint, I can understand what Bell's doing. But, it, you know, it, it, the easy decision would have been to just work something out, take the deal they gave you, and come and show up. Now, players, I think some respect it. Some would like them here. But really, collectively, they're sort of resigned to the fate. Like, look. You know, this, we, we got to move on with this thing. If he's here, that's great. Uh, it's, it's almost like the sense I get is you better be productive. You better be your guy. You've done all this. You got to be the same guy if you show up. Then we're cool. But if you're not, that's an issue for us. How much faith should the Steelers have in James Conner, whether it's uh, replacing Bell this year or next or as an often used backup? Yeah, they think he's solid. He's a really good preseason. You know, the issue that he has to show improvement on is pass protection, the nuances of the game. You know, he hasn't seen that in live action yet uh, at a consistent basis where you're the guy. And so um, even in pass protection, he looked better in camp. Um, and then, you know, he was a part of a sack early in a preseason game. So 
you know, that's one thing. Where, that's a strength of Bell. You put him out there, he can run a Noah Huddle offense. He can find the creases, get in the passing lanes, and for help protect Ben. So they would need that from Connor. But he looks like a different dude. He's well-conditioned now. You know, a year ago, he, he really wasn't in an ideal shape. And, you know, he's changed that. So, you know, he looks explosive. He's running faster. Um, but they got to see it out on the field on Sundays. They, they, there's still a little bit of that unknown there. Can he produce when it matters? We're talking to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN here on the Mark Madden Show. Jeremy, I've been interested in uh, some of the things you've written and tweeted about Josh Dobbs. Do you feel he's really a tradable commodity? Because that would be nice for the Steelers to get something for him because I don't think they're going to keep four quarterbacks, and I guess they'd release him, right? Yeah, they can play this a lot of different ways. So that's why it's going to be really eventful Friday and Saturday. I, From what I've heard, there's, there has been at least some level of interest, but I don't think it's like, hey, we're willing to give up a third-round pick like the Saints did with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I think, if anything, it would be a late-round pick, maybe a seventh-rounder, just something that they can try to swing, similar to Sammy Coates last year where they, you know, just tried to get something for him knowing uh, that he's not in the picture. But, you know, they're still asking around to some league folks, too. There's still a sense that, or at least I know Dobbs hasn't got the sense that they're completely moving on. You know, they've been pretty positive with them. Uh, they've invested a ton of time in him. So in some ways, he's still being evaluated. I mean, if he plays really well, then, I, you know, I still think Rudolph is the guy above him. But, you know, they would love to have him another year, develop him. You know, you got eight offensive linemen. Do you really need a ninth? Maybe you could work out the numbers where you keep him for a little bit or at least through the weekend, try to trade him or do something or maybe squeeze him onto the practice squad two weeks from now when teams aren't looking for a quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger has really had an outstanding camp, hasn't he? And apparently had an outstanding offseason, too. Yeah, I mean, everything's positive right now. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because I was writing some stuff about Ben this, this week, even about how he's changed his arm routine. You know, he's not always putting ice on his elbow and his arm and, and looking like an old man a little bit. You know, he looks fresh. And I mean, the other day, I literally saw him throw probably 200 balls, um, thrown into 40 yards from, into a garbage pail. Um, throwing to receivers tight ends and just walk through the field and look fine so you know the maintenance thing or the pitch count thing really isn't an issue but you know when you write these stories in the preseason like oh it's a rejuvenated guy you know you never know <laughs> what that really is going to mean but i think um you can see some of the dynamics moving with, with him right now where you know the, the urgency is there not that it wasn't before but like there's you know there's a lot on the line for this guy this year i mean it's, it's really a de facto contract year for him um, you know, because you would think that they would do something big for him next year. And, you know, he's trying to win a third Super Bowl. That would really change things for him. He knows he's really tight with his offensive linemen, and they have a short window to get that done with him. And so there's a lot there. No, you're right on the money, Jeremy. I, I like the use of the word urgency because I think this might be Ben's last best chance. you got Bell in his last year. Like you said, the O-line's getting a bit older. Heck, even Antonio Brown's 30. Yeah, you've had really a lot of those guys, Bell included, have acknowledged that there's a championship window here. It's not all that big. Um, so we got to make something happen now. And so, you know, and, and Tony, but hey, if you're Antonio Brown, though, you saw that Odell Beckham deal. I think he's thinking, I need to kill it this year. Maybe I'll make things a little difficult in 2019 or 2020, try to get one more deal out of this. So, you know, I don't think by any means he's a guy that's going to go away in the next year. You know, his game should age pretty well. Just assuming his quickness is there, no knee problems. But you know, he's not like a six foot five guy that's going to break down. You know, he, he he can get it done on the sideline. You know, he and Ben run routes that they've done thousands of times before. Is the defense any better, Jeremy? And if so, how so? 
Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I get asked this, and it's it's easy to say I think so. I think on paper, you know, top to bottom, they're they're a better roster defensively. You know, but you had a guy in Shazier who was ready to explode if he hadn't already. And so you just can't replace that, whether it's John Bostic or Tyler Medikevich. You know, that's just – that's sort of an issue. And, and you know, Vince Williams, I mean, is a really solid player that they re-signed, of course. Um, he's good for what they ask him to do, too. But, he's yeah, he's not a Shazier-type player that sideline to sideline. He's more – you know, he can get you sacks. He's a really good uh, – you know, he's, he's a good every-down player, but, you know, he's going to stay in his lane a little bit. And so – um, that's really the, the teeth of the defense is the concern. But, you know, to it, if you're watching him the other night, he was pretty dominant to it. And Hayward, if they're controlling things up front and they're healthy all year with TJ Watt and Bud Dupree in a contract here, I, I do think they're better. Antonio Brown was happy that Odell Beckham Jr. got a lot more money than he did. I didn't see that coming, but I guess they're buddies, right? <laughs> yeah, they are friends. I mean, I've talked to Antonio about how they like trade off-season workout footage and try to critique each other. And, you know, Brown's told him to, to keep on coming, come chase me, and I'm the top guy. But, you know, maybe you can be the top guy one day. And so, you know, it is sort of a friendly deal. Um, I tried to talk to A.B. about that the other day. He, was, he wasn't he was really talking to the media that day, so he, did, he didn't have much to say on it. But he tweeted that out a couple of days later, so I guess he wanted to say something. Um, but, yeah, they, they are friends. And, I, you know, I think that's you, – you could think that Antonio would be salty about that deal because he's not getting it. But I think that's motivation for him. I think he's actually going to try to cash in again at some point. And finally, Jeremy, I found your recent article on hamstring injuries very interesting uh, because that's an injury with very little exact science and uh, very little timetable for recovery. Look at what Saquon Barkley's going through with the Giants. Yeah, you know, I was just kind of fascinated by it, so I did a quirky little story on it because every year at training camp I see at least a couple Steelers that come into the year with high hopes and then all of a sudden they're just, you know, huddled on the ground stretching while everybody else is practicing, you know. I mean, T.J. Watt had a great offseason. He's, a, you know, in excellent shape, but you pull a hamstring, it doesn't matter. And so, it's yeah, it's one of the things that I think that the medical field in the NFL is trying to figure this out because if you have an ACL, okay, it's clear. What's torn? What's the recovery? Let's do the surgery. But this is a little different. Every guy has a different case, and you got to let it heal in its own way. And sometimes, you know, if you push it too fast, you could ruin your season. Jeremy, great stuff as always. Thank you so much for taking the time. We'll do it again soon, I hope. Anytime. Thanks, Mark. That's Jeremy Fowler. Check out his fine work at ESPN.com and follow him on Twitter as well. I'm going to talk to Bob McLaughlin next. It's the Mark Madden Show, 1059. WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Break the wall! One thing should be made clear in the wake of the reignited reinvigorated, refurbished, re-energized, and reborn Lev Bell controversy. Whether he shows up on Monday or not, James Harrison is a dink. James Harrison fell asleep in meetings last year. James Harrison left the stadium on game days when he wasn't on the active roster. James Harrison forced his way to the Steelers' biggest rival by being a selfish pain in the ass. James Harrison went on TV and stirred the sewage with Lev Bell. James Harrison basically told Lev Bell to stay away and only play six games. James Harrison ain't no Pittsburgh Stiller. James Harrison is about himself, period. James Harrison and Lev Bell make a nice couple. Yo, James Harrison, 
You should not make the Steeler Hall of Honor. Not ever. The key word there is honor, and you have none. But I'll tell you one thing you do deserve. You just made the list. Seriously. When can we stop pretending that James Harrison is anything but a selfish jerk? What a nerd. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you could trust. Dial 412-333. Wrong number again, almost. I should write the number. You know, I, I like Matt Mertz. They don't even have their number in the copy for this sponsorship. I do them a favor, and I often give out the wrong number. I should give out, like, somebody's home number. Call that number for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Actually, the number is 412-367-0815. That's Matt Mertz Plumbing. 412-333-9939. Is there any way Steeler fans still like James Harrison? If you do, you're as big a dink as he is. Somebody somebody tweeted, when you say dink, what do you mean? What, what do you think I mean? Change the N to not an A, a B, a D, or an E. And that's what I mean, you dink. We've been talking about Penn State signing up to play Temple in football after once again letting the pit rivalry lapse. And I've been saying all the truisms that the B team dare not embrace, which is Penn State doesn't see Pitt as a rival. Penn State fans don't care about playing Pitt. Pitt fans whine too much. Whenever Penn State declines to play, Penn State fans are a bunch of self-important jerks. There really are no good guys in this particular situation. But you know where Pitt screwed it up? Pitt screwed it up by beating Penn State a couple years ago when the rivalry got resumed. Penn State doesn't need that crap. Temple's going to just roll over. That That's the one area where playing Pitt is just slightly ever so slightly dangerous for Penn State. It's because even though Penn State doesn't see Pitt as a rival, Pitt sees Penn State as a rival as a big game, and they will gear themselves up and occasionally play over their heads against Penn State like they did back on that memorable afternoon at Heinz Field in 2016. Temple's just going to roll over and die for Penn State. So if you're going to play a game which adds no prestige to your team, which your fans don't care about, don't see as a rivalry, instead of playing the 95% sure thing, why not play the 100% sure thing? We've had a lot of Pitt fans call up and say, actually Penn State fans call up and say that Pitt should just worry about the ACC. You know what part of this whole thing is, too, is that the Big Ten's better than the ACC. It has more prestige than the ACC, more tradition than the ACC, more everything in terms of football than the ACC. So, uh, obviously, Penn State is just, again, the perspective's totally different for them. Who is Pitt's big game in the ACC? Once in a while, they play Clemson to Miami, right? 
For Penn State, every game's like a football tradition game. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, it just, that's football. Big Ten football's football. ACC football ain't as good as ACC basketball. It's a football league based on a basketball league. You know exactly what I mean. And I'll tell you what, this is something, I do a segment on this annually, and I won't jump way ahead, I'll do this during basketball season, or maybe I won't because I'm kind of estranged from pit basketball as well. But um, I miss the Big East. I loved Big East basketball. I loved the style. I loved the physicality. I loved the New York flavor just about the whole league had. And I know Pitt feels they had to make that move because football drives the bus. The money in football's too big. They had to go to the ACC. But that doesn't stop me from missing ACC basketball. Excuse me, Freudian slip. Big East basketball. Didn't the Big East have a rule where you had an extra foul before you fouled out? It was like six fouls. That, that's like giving a criminal an extra gun. That's just a tremendous rule. And it fit the Big East so well. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Pitt fans, your whiny bitches. Penn State fans, your self-important jerks. If you'd like to call, I don't care if you do or don't. Uh, I want to go over some of the stuff we talked about earlier with Lev Bell because I think you think that Lev Bell has to have a great season to get the contract he wants. He does not. Now that Gurley got that deal, it raised the bar, and Bell may not get dollar for dollar exactly what he wants, like 15 mil for season, but he'll come close. He really will, just based on being healthy. And so for that reason, if he misses 10 games and plays the minimum, it won't hurt his campaign for big bucks when he gets to free agency. And you know, once he shows up, Tomlin's going to run him till the wheels fall off. And that's okay. It's not Tomlin's job to care about Bell's fate after he leaves the Steelers. Not Tomlin's concern to make sure Bell is healthy for free agency. Bell knows that, and I'm sure it does give him pause. I'm sure it gives his representatives pause as well. The only good reason for Bell to turn up for week one is the game check. Everything else indicates he should sit out for a while, maybe the maximum 10 games. You need to play six to burn off the contract, be rostered for six. You could fake injury, like play one snap and and get through this if you're Bell. But... Those game checks, $855,000 per game. I can't see Bell passing that up. I can't see anybody passing that up. But Harrison said, you're putting too much at risk. You can gain more in the long run by sitting out those games. Maybe that's true. I think there's a lot of risk involved there. You see, here's what I don't understand, and, and maybe I shouldn't because I've never made that kind of money. Bell made 12 mil last year. He's making 14 mil this year if he shows up for every game. How can that not be enough to live the rest of your life very comfortably? Okay, that's 26 mil in two years plus whatever he made before that. Let's say you keep half of that after taxes, 13 mil. Let's say 11 mil after you pay off your agent, 
your lawyer, all that crap, right? That's 11 mil cash. How can you not live the rest of your life on that? My life will come and go. I live fairly comfortably, and I will not make 11 million. Not even close, honestly. So at some point, does it matter how much more you make when you've already made that much? That's the one thing about the approach these guys sometimes take that I don't get. Then again, mo baby mamas, mo problems. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. This is the Mark Madden Show. I actually found myself caught up in the pirate game last night. I, I was flipping the dial, I turned it on, and Trevor Williams was pitching very well. Oh, I saw the tape of the interview, the video, Sean Rodriguez saying, I'm not done. Okay, you know what he really said? He said, I'm not done. Then he said to the writer, why do you think I'm, why? Do you think I'm done? I would have said, yes. You hit 167. I think you're done. And Sean, if you're listening, you hit 167. And I do think you're done. Who in their right mind would sign that guy? Probably the Pirates. They just love Serpico. 105.9 X.